Welcome to Food and Loathing, the podcast that is all about Las Vegas all the time, except when they invite us someplace prettier. Yeah, we spent a lot of time in Napa and, um, you know, it may not have the energy and excitement of Las Vegas, but it sure was beautiful. And we got our rock and roll fix and our wine fix. We will talk, be talking about that shortly. But first, I am your host, Al Mancini, and I am joined right now for this Millis segment of our podcast by Rich Johnson, <laughs> our engineer. Hey, Rich, how are you? Where are you? Greetings from the city of roses, Portland, Oregon, deep in the middle of Rose Festival and uh deep in the middle of yet another drizzly, maybe 70 degrees week. What actually feels kind of refreshing after hitting 100 in Vegas a few days before I left. And then how many degrees did we get up to in Napa? Let's give people, before we, we yeah. reminisce, I guess, okay. let's tell people what happened. We, um, you know, we we wrapped up last week's show and then, you know, we, we hit a couple events here in Vegas. Then Rich and I separately journeyed up to Napa for Bottle Rock. Um, Rich, you've been working with our friends at Padopolo and they had a cool scene going on up there. Yeah. Also, Rick Moonen, our frequent co-host, works with a cool, cool organization called Feast It Forward, who just happened happened to be in business with just happened to be there, yeah and um it just seemed like all the stars were aligned bottle rock is something i've been wanting to go to for many many years it's a great music and wine and food celebration up in napa and um so we all kind of just packed up and said we don't know what's going to happen but we know yeah. we're going to be there and we'll see what we get yeah in the middle of this show is all the stuff that you and i did the people we talked to the winemakers the musicians and of course the various chefs but we'll get to that yeah. So um, from there, Rich went on to Portland. I came back to Vegas. We're playing a lot of catch up this week. I've been running around <laughs> doing a lot of dining. And that, of course, you know, brings us to where we've been. So Napa was the first part, but um, now we are back in Las Vegas. And by the time you hear this, which means probably about a hour from when this happens, we're into <laughs> Pride Month and I'm about to head over um, for a Pride Month celebration at the Venetian Palazzo. Um, the Venetian Palazzo have a lot of cool things that they're rolling out. This party that I'm heading over to now is um, over at Black Tap. They have a new vanilla rainbow crazy shake. Uh, featuring a vanilla frosted rim covered in nerds. Oh, I don't man. know what that says about a frosted rim covered in nerds. I don't know what they're trying to say there. So we're just going to leave that. Um, their, their pride black type shape is a vanilla frosted rim covered in nerds that's topped with a rainbow donut from the famous Las Vegas donut bar and garnished with a rainbow unicorn pop, sour rainbow gummy rope, and whipped cream. So um, that's what I'm <laughs> heading over to try shortly. To show my pride in people being proud. Um, and also at um, at Black Tap, where I'm going, they're going to have a pride-themed cocktail available all month through June. Sales from that are going to benefit uh, Pride Tree's mission in providing LGBTQ plus youth in Las Vegas after school and summer programming. So God bless them for that. Um, everybody, I'm glad everybody is being proud. And I'm glad we live in a world where everybody can be proud yeah. of who they are. And what they are. Also at the Venetian, uh, since we're talking about all this, um, Bouchon Bakery for June is bringing back its rainbow cake, which was created by pastry chef um, Nicholas Bonamico. And it was created in honor of the Supreme Court's legalization of same-sex marriage a few years ago. So Bouchon Bakery is bringing that back for June. And finally, within the Venetian and Palazzo, the Cocktail Collective is out front and proud. Each bar has created its own pride cocktail. At Rosina, that job fell to lead bartender, Louis Caputa, and he told me a bit about it. So the Cocktail Collective celebrates like nobody else. You have to know that. So the Venetian Resort, what we do here is First off, let's talk about Rosina. So Rosina has a drink called Show Your True Colors, which is uh, invented by me, and it's going to be a fantastic drink at Rosina. At Electra, it's going to be a drink called the Yes Queen that was invented by Daniel Young. You got to come see him. He's a lot of fun. And then the Dorsey Bar will have Love is Love, created by lead bartender Evan Hosaka. And what we do at the Venetian, you have to know, we celebrate like nobody else. Okay, so could you tell me what went into creating this cocktail? What were you thinking, and what's the 
the inspiration and the motivation for creating the cocktail you created here at Rosina? Well, I wanted to make something fun, something colorful, something energetic where guests come in and they see it bright and pop and come out the page. And I guarantee you when guests come and see it, they're going to think it's fantastic. So what I did was I made it flavorful, colorful, just like the LBGT community. I am ready to serve and ready to make everybody happy when they come in. Speaking of uh, Pride Week and all that, here in uh, Portland, I'm catching up with friends and family. And uh, last weekend, Saturday, I went to minor league baseball, the Hillsboro Hops. Hillsboro is my hometown. It's about 20 miles west of Portland. They have a single-A baseball team. And since the Beavers left town, that's the only professional baseball in, in the area. And my host, sitting right behind home plate, and then in the thing was uh, Dale Scott, who uh, spent 18 years in the major leagues as an umpire. And in 2015, he came out, took a heck of a lot of courage in the sports world. And he has now written a book called The Umpire is Out. He just came back from a nationwide book signing tour. So we uh, caught up. He actually was a radio guy. We, uh, we missed each other at the same station in Eugene, Oregon, by about five months, 45 years ago. <laughs> so wow. uh, he went from DJ to umpire. I went to, from DJ to DJ. So I think, <laughs> I think he wins that one. Uh, we're cooking. Yeah, but you're uh, eating better. Right. I am trying to. Uh, I'm, we're we're going to go get some really good steaks uh, later this week. And the two bottles I brought up from Napa that I'll talk about uh, later, we're going to drain with the uh, steaks. Uh, taking my niece and nephew to NASCAR on Saturday. I'm making red sauce tonight with meatballs, with impossible meatballs, because my niece, Hannah, eats only a uh, plant-only diet. She doesn't say vegan. She just says uh, plant-based. So that's been cool. As for me... I uh, I had a nice burger at a fat, not a fast food place a uh, you know order at the counter and sit down place it's a little regional chain called Killer Burger they have about twenty spots in the in the northwest a very good burger fresh bun great stuff good freezer fries nothing I'll remember for very long but but worth the visit however coming up I am having burgers with an old and I do mean very old high school friends at a place called Helvetia Tavern. It's been open in the farmland west of Portland since 1922, originally a gas station and grocery store. The day alcohol became legal in Oregon, 1933, they started serving beer. They moved from their original building in 1948 because the state legislature in their, uh, you know, liberal, uh, overbearing ways passed a bill that said taverns have to have plumbing. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine the, the government regulation? Yeah. They didn't want people just pissing on the walls anymore. <laughs> so they have a thing called the jumbo burger. Uh, it is cooked on a flat top that I swear is at least 60 years old. And that seasoning comes through and it is a great flat top burger. They also do fries from fresh potatoes and they do them right. Nice and greasy. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, I was having, and one last thing that's very Portland. Well, actually, suburban Portland I was having a coffee today with my daughter, Lisa, who lives in a little town called West Lynn, south of Portland. We're walking the main drag, uh, you know, like a lot of small town downtowns. It had fallen into disrepair. Uh, but maybe a decade ago, they got a new look. They got new facades over about eight blocks, lots of shops, restaurants, coffee shops, things like that. And they have a brand new water fountain on Willamette Falls Drive, the main drag. You know, the fountains you see in airports where you can fill up your personal water bottle. I don't know that I've ever seen one of those, but I've heard of such things. Yeah, water comes down from the top and you put your bottle under there. Uh, this one is like that, only this is apparently the very first one in the nation that offers in public for free still or sparkling water from a public fountain. It's okay, I, I do like that, although I, I have to say my mind was going. I thought you were going to tell me whiskey or beer were coming out of it. To be honest. That could be very Portland, too. Either way, it's time for a Portland Portlandia reunion episode and they got to set it in downtown West Lynn. Yeah, that that sounds great, man. Well, I'm glad you're having fun. I'm glad you're able to join me to um, to do a little more, especially after having your fill of me in Napa. <laughs> um, I in the short time that I've been back, I did get into Crossroads Kitchen. That is Tal Ronan's vegan restaurant that opened while we were in Napa over Memorial Day weekend. Um, that's at you know, of course, Tal Ronan. He's like the Mac Daddy of plant based dining. When Steve Wynn 
decided he had to make, you know, have a vegan menu in each of his restaurants. He called Tal. That was like, well, I don't know, 15 years ago or whatever. Yeah. About nine years ago, he opened um, the original Crossroads on Melrose. I went in, in L.A. Um, that's what he has brought to Resorts World. Um, this is a very formal not, not very formal. It's actually, it's formal white tablecloth, good wine, um, you know, kind of cool, funky chandeliers, but also photos of classic, classic rock and roll photography on the walls. So it's kind of got that, that hip elegance to it, you know, sort of like a, I don't know, an exile on main street kind of thing. I don't know. It just, it, it feels really cool. Everything on the menu is plant-based. Um, I went in with somebody who was vegan, as well as my wife and I, who are not. Obviously, anybody who listens to this podcast knows <laughs> yeah. that. We eat everything, especially the cute animals. But um, one thing you're going to notice if you go into Crossroads Kitchen is you will not see the word vegan. You will not see the, the phrase plant-based anywhere there. I'm going to play a little bit of um, Tal, hopefully, after this, uh, talking about why he wanted to do that. But you would not know this is a vegan restaurant as you walk in. There are things on the menu that um, have names of animal products. They are not. And I'm so tired of arguing with people on social media about this shit, right? Like, well, why is the caviar on there? The, yeah, it's not real caviar. It's made of kelp. Um, I had a foie gras that was made of walnuts. To be Whoa. honest, that one, I don't think you would really, didn't taste anything at all like foie gras, but it was very rich, very decadent torsion. It's sort of like, imagine the um, the richest, most decadent mousse, and it had that earthiness of the walnuts. So, you know, in, in many ways, reminiscent of of foie gras torchon, um, but did not taste like, you know, the meaty meatiness that, no. <laughs> that foie tastes like. And that's fine with me. We also had a fantastic mushroom and truffle pizza, um, a lasagna that they called it bolognese. I would say, I think they make it with um, impossible. I would say it reminded me more of sausage than a bolognese sauce, but still really, really good. I think if you fed it to a meat eater, they wouldn't know the difference, but I don't encourage trying to trick people. I'm just simply saying it was passable as opposed to say the foie gras, which would never pass for foie gras, but was still yeah. delicious, you know? <laughs> um, and we had another dish. I don't even remember off the top of my head. Pictures are going up on social media. You'll see them there. I really liked it. It's very, like I said, it's a serious restaurant meant to be taken seriously. They have a little takeout burger spot on the side, also 100% plant-based. We played just a minute or two of Tal Ronan's roundtable discussion. I'm going to try to play a few more minutes here, depending on how much time we have. Just give you more of a feel for um, from what that chef said about what, why he's doing it the way he does, which is 100% plant-based, no animal products, but they're not talking about it. They just want you to come in and have a good time. The pastas all made by hand, um, even, you know, things that you would figure come out of a box like reggaeton and spaghetti, we extrude them in-house. They are all fresh. They're absolutely amazing. The proteins, we have a mix of, you know, things that um, are familiar like parm, milanese, our eggplant fillet is really cool. We take uh, an eggplant and we dehydrate it for two days. <laughs> so it goes from being this big Italian eggplant to this small little eggplant. And the dehydration gives it a little more chewiness. Eggplant's all water. So getting all that water out is really important. We marinate it in a beet ponzu, which makes it look kind of like a bloody steak. And that's served over uh, mashed potatoes, and it's got a really great uh, Bordelais sauce that brings it all together. And mushrooms, right now we're doing chanterelles, that changes. Um, and then there's, you know, things like play on words, right? Instead of chicken marsala, we're doing chickpeas marsala. <laughs> chickpeas are a great source of protein. Um, unfortunately, in the U.S., people think that the word protein means animal protein it does not protein is protein you can get it from plants you can get it from animals you can get it uh, from lots of various ways coming up al and rich's excellent adventures in napa last weekend for food music and wine and wine and even more wine mostly yeah. on the rich side the <laughs> wine this is food and loathing 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yes, this is a podcast called Food and Loathing because it's about all of the food in Las Vegas. But every now and then we're allowed to get out of town, right? I mean, it's summertime. People go on vacation. Yeah. And boy, did we have fun, as did the superstar chefs I got to see. This has been the best festival, so much fun, best bands, great chefs, great audience, and it's just fun to be out there, be able to do it again, you know? For two and a half years, we couldn't do festivals like this, to be able to do that, see each other backstage is amazing. Yes, that is the great Marcus Samuelson. Talking about Bottle Rock, the huge music, food, and wine festival in the capital city of American wine, Napa, California. A whole lot of famous chefs were there, but one of the first people I ran into wasn't even there for a cooking demonstration. He was just being a fan. I got Stephen Hopcraft from STK in Las Vegas. Hey, man, it's good to see you again. I know you always we always run into each other somehow or another. I know. Well, if I'm at a music event, it seems like I always see you, man. So I like to get my groove on. (laughs) This is my new dance moves. You know, I got to do what I got to do. Steven, you are with STK in Las Vegas. That's a place that is known as much for the vibe and the atmosphere and the, the sexy ladies and the dancing and the DJ as it is for the fantastic steaks. So as somebody who combines food and music on a daily basis, what do you think about Bottle Rock? Well, I think Bottle Rock really kind of has it pigeonholed. They cornered it right now, in my opinion. Like, they have the great food. All the stands are serving, like, top-notch stuff, good food, good wine. I mean, come on, what more do you need? Did you see Metallica last night? I did. I did. I was banging my head like old school. I can't help it. Like yeah, you it got really on point, and I was really impressed. You gotta love Metallica, man. I like the I like the smile on Lars's face the entire time. He had like his cartoon smile. He was just like ah, I was like right on. That's excellent. Double basing it and just hitting it hard. I liked it. Where we're standing right now, this is sort of, we have the Williams Sonoma stage over there to the side. We've been seeing some great stuff. We saw Michael Mina up there yesterday making a pot pie, um, all that. So explain what this vibe is, because this is sort of like, you got to be VIP over VIP to get back here. And we were just eating lobster corn dogs with caviar back here. I know, I snuck in, so don't tell anybody. You do have to be VIP. Anyway. I snuck in originally, but I finally got the right pass. finally got it in there? All right, cool. No, I think what they're doing here is really cool because they're introducing the culinary and, you know, putting some chefs up there to show their signature dishes and their fun things. And it's unbelievable, but if you look at that crowd, they're packed and they just want to see these chefs perform. And I think that was really cool. When I saw that yesterday, I was like almost a tear to this little eye. How much the fans love the chefs, and that's kind of what it's all about. It's not just music, it's not just service here, but it's also food. Well, you know, we're here to represent for Vegas, so I got to tell people you are part of an amazing program at the Cosmopolitan, which just changed ownerships. But there's a lot of great restaurants in the Cosmopolitan. STK is absolutely the sexiest steakhouse, the most hip steakhouse, probably in Vegas. If you're going for that hip, you know, kind of cool party atmosphere, going to the club, possibly the world. We might be the sexiest in the world. And I've said the galaxy, but I don't know exactly what's in the galaxy. But But, we are probably the sexiest in the world. So tell people what's new. Have you done? anything new after um, we rolled out of COVID? Uh, yeah, I've done some new dishes I'm really excited about, you know, always trying to keep it seasonal and changing it up. But, you know, we keep the same recipe and the recipe for success is don't believe your own story. So you have to fight every day to make it great. Uh, don't, don't take your guests for granted. Everybody that walks into my restaurant is a VIP and very important to me. And my staff feels the same way. And I really think that that recipe of success, besides the music, the food and the service, but that philosophy is what has always moved us forward. And we're probably gonna have, we are definitely gonna have the busiest year we've ever had in 12 years of being open. So I'm proud of that. I'm thankful for that. And for the people that come and see us, you're always welcome and we'll always give you a smile. And please be patient. As for the chefs who did, get up on stage and do some cooking. I had a conversation with now Bottle Rock veteran, Roy Choi. This is my third Bottle Rock. Uh, We're in the beautiful Napa Valley, which is number one, the number one difference of a lot of things. 
The other is the way they put everything together. You know, the thing about this festival, it comes from the mind of a hospitality company, right? So if you can imagine every restaurant you go to, every every hotel that you check into, think of that that type of amenities and that type of like service and imagine that in a big 50,000 person, you know, music festival. So the culinary stage, we've been showing off what the chefs are doing. You're about to go on. What is it you're doing and who are you going to be joined by? Uh, I am doing it with Pink. Pink and Gail Simmons and we're trying to do Pink Foods. <laughs> kind of like your goatee right there, yeah. Maybe I'll come up with you. You yeah, can you cook me, man. Are. I'll cook you. That's it. Forget it. It's over. Done. We're going to change it to a rotisserie up there. And you, we're just going to cook Al. Extra large. You're going to need extra time, man, because, you know. So what are you, what are you guys cooking? We'll do the uh, uh, gaucho, uh, Argentinian style, where, the, where you're at a 45-degree angle against a recessed flame. And then you're spinning very slowly this way, like this. I, I like that you're going to put me on an angle, make me comfortable. That I appreciate that while you're cooking me, man. Um, are you a Pink fan, and how'd you get hooked up with her? Um, P Pink and I are actually Twitter friends. We've been Twitter friends. We've been Twitter friends for like ten years, and she's been the kindest person to me on my DMs and just you know supporting me along the journey with Kogi. But we've never met. We've never met in person. We've been pen pals for like ten years, so. This is going to be a really great time. And so we're doing like all these pink foods. So we're doing like making like a strawberry milkshake, but making it pink. We're doing a like a salmon ikura bowl. So it's not necessarily pink, but salmon eggs, ikura, uni, uh, salmon, rice. And we're making like a pink vinaigrette like a, with like chili powder and garlic and things like that. I love it, man. You're getting creative. It's going to be delicious. Yeah. Cool. Now, so the deal is, if you invite Pink up on the culinary stage, does that mean she has to invite you up on the concert stage and you're going to play? Man, you know us chefs. We don't, you know, we still that we still the working class, man. They, I, I, you know, I, I haven't gotten that invite yet, but we'll see. Okay, cool. So I got to ask you, how's everything going in Vegas? How's everything at Best Friend? I want to thank Vegas for everything they've done for us. They have supported Best Friend 1.0 and 2.0. Um, our whole intention was to create a local restaurant, but on the strip. And uh, I see so many locals, especially because of hockey games. Our restaurant on hockey nights are literally like 80% locals. And, uh, you know, and that kind of thing, I mean, you know, as a Vegas person, there are a handful of restaurants that can walk that line between the two. And uh, it's just an honor to, to be able to walk that line. So just for people who don't know, you're walking through Park MGM. You kind of come out of Italy, and you see what looks like kind of a, a Korean grocery store, basically, or something if you've ever lived in a city. And then as you walk through, you get to Best Friend, where we get all pretty much, would you call it a greatest hits menu of yours? Or is it is it zooming in on one of the things specifically that you're known for? Well, it's evolving. You know, it started as a greatest hits plus a few new tracks type thing, you know. Um, but now it's really evolving where it's moving away from the greatest hits and we are actually 80, 70, 80% of our menu are all new introduced items that just by living in Vegas. I just love it, man, because our whole intent was not to put restaurant on the sign. It was to create a liquor store. And in the first year, a lot of people were confused. But you know, sometimes with concepts, it just takes time for it to marinate and sink in. And now in our third year, everyone gets it. We went from like kind of a a restaurant that people find by accident, to now we're on a checklist of people when they visit Vegas to hit, you know, yeah. uh, especially on the Strip, you know, so it's it's been wonderful. And if you're a fan of Chopped, you certainly know Chef Aron Sanchez. Rick Moonen and I had a little fun catching up with him. So um, what brings you to Bottle Rock? What are you doing here? So we're here, we're really excited. I mean, this is, has to be my fourth year participating. All the folks from Bottle Rock have always taken care of me. And we're going to be doing a demo with 21 pilots. Man, how did you set that up? They are red hot. You're red hot. I guess it makes sense. Yeah, well, the idea <laughs> is that they're big fans of burritos. So we're going to make a 21-inch burrito with hopefully 21 ingredients inside <laughs> as an homage to their love for Mexico. That's well, awesome. That says, how did you get hooked up? Did you know those guys? Have you known them? or is it No, I've, I've always been a fan of 21 pilots. And then, you know, we talked to people, the organizers here at Bottle Rock, and... 
Kendall from Willie Sonoma, and they were like, yeah, man, we can make it happen. Very cool. Now, what I need to know is, does that mean you get to get up on stage with them and perform? No. 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 That's not fair. <laughs> that would be a bad idea. <laughs> See, Rick, who's holding the camera, fancies himself a musician. I know my limitations, okay. and I'm not even going to mess with it. I but <laughs> if it was mariachi music, te quiero. Oh. Que pena verte perdido Como quien pierde una estrella Que se van finito More to come, folks. More to come. <laughs> Were you a professional mariachi ever? No, no, it's like, it's like my dream on the deal. Tight, shiny pants. <laughs> Big hats, right? You know what I mean? They oversized know. guitars. Oversized guitars. Oh, so, I've got to ask, are you doing anything in Vegas? No. Why I, not? The only thing I'm doing in Vegas is on October 6th. That's right. We're doing an unbelievable event that Rick, my boy, my brother, the Alma, tell me what we're doing. The Scleroderma Sprint event. The Scleroderma hold Sprint. On, hold on. You guys, tell us about Scleroderma Sprint. Yeah, right. that's what I'm saying in Vegas. Right here, man, my best friend. I mean, these guys are coming together to help out a buddy of mine. His name is Savile Kellner. He's got Scleroderma, a strange name for a terrible disease. And there's really no cure. We need to bring some more attention to it. And, you know, he's the man right here. I no, know. no, but Rick, I, you called upon Emerald, a lot of other people that love yeah, you, no, that are going to come support. Robert oh, Irvine, you, yeah. Emerald, yeah. It's going to be awesome. And a quick reminder, Rick and Chefferone will be at a scleroderma benefit in October coming up. We've been talking a lot about it on this podcast. We'll give you more um, info as we get closer to October, but they will be racing cars and cooking and doing um, all kinds of cool stuff for a good cause. Another guy having a great time with both food and music at Bottle Rock was Adam Sobel, the executive chef of the Mina Group. He calls Bottle Rock the best of all worlds, and he proved it by taking me backstage to see one awesome dish he did with the help of the Voltaggio brothers. I get to cook on stage at the William uh, Sonoma Culinary Stage, uh, eat my friend's food, hang out, drink great wine, rock out to great music. It's, you know... You've now been on stage twice. So yesterday, for those who missed it, you were on stage with Michael Mina. You had a football player whose name I can't remember. Tell, tell me what you did up on stage there. We had Warren Moon, Hall of Fame quarterback, Houston Oilers, Minnesota Vikings. We had Charles Woodson, recent, uh, recently inducted into the Hall of Fame, Green Bay Packer and, and, uh, and Raider. And then we had Gary Baba Bui Delabate, who is... One of my, in a weird way, one of my favorite people in the world. I'm a Howard Stern freak. Been listening since I'm five years old. And to, so to hang with Gary yesterday and give him some praise, which he never gets. He's always the one that, you know, no one has gotten their balls busted harder than Gary Delabate in history of entertainment. But I got to give him some props yesterday. It was really cool. It was cool. Obviously, co Michael and I cook together all the time, so... That's nothing new. And you guys made a, a, the lobster pot pie, which is just a classic Mina Group dish. Whenever you take it off a menu anywhere, people get pissed off. I've tried. <laughs> Cannot come off the menu. But we did the world's largest lobster pot pie yesterday. It was pretty pretty epic. Did you have the Guinness record people confirm it? Oh, no, we didn't get confirmed. But it was six lobsters, uh, six three-pound lobsters. Um, it was a seven-pound lid of pie dough. Uh, a gallon of lobster cream, of truffle lobster cream. Yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. And just now, you got off stage with the Voltaggio brothers, and um, and tell me who else was up there with you there, because that this was crazy. This is just one of those only in Bottle Rock. I mean, we already just described one only at Bottle Rock, and now we have another one, and you're in the middle of both. Tell what you just did up there. Well, Mike Voltaggio is kind of like he always comes up with these great ideas and 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 like setups for the stage. He did, uh, he had Warren G, his brother Brian, and they did a gigantic weed-infused double cheeseburger <laughs> and a five-pound crab cake that was then decorated by Dominic Ciambroni, who's the shoe surgeon, who's an unbelievable shoe designer. He decorated a crab cake today. So, And then they made a gigantic nitro-frozen michelada which was outrageous. Okay. I mean, it was crazy. Is that back there? Can you take us back to get a shot of it? Is it still back there? Come on back. Let's see this. Because this is, again, this is the only in Bottle Rock 
moments that we've just got to get. That they maybe brought it back over here. Up, oh, wait. See, this is live. This is they, do a, like. they do a quick cleanup on the set. Oh, there you are, sir. Can you explain what you cooked up there? By the way, good to see you, Chef. Oh, good to see you. So, uh, so this is a crab cake. So, you know, I'm Michael and I were from Maryland. We're obviously Maryland synonymous with crab cakes. You know, it's like one of the biggest things you find in our region. Um, we're kind of tired of the crab cake presentation with like the remoulade and the slaw and the stuff on the side and the sandwiches and all of that stuff. How about a crab cake like for a birthday party? You know what I mean? Why like why not? Like why not decorate it, make it fun, make it cool? So you could put candles in that and blow it out. It could be your birthday crab cake. It'd be a damn expensive crab cake, but uh, or birthday cake. This is probably about two hundred dollars worth of crab meat right now at this moment. But Easy. hey, it's fun. Yeah, yeah it's but fun. I, I touched it, so it's one hundred. So now, 000. now, now it's one hundred fifty grand. That, that, that's one hundred fifty thousand. Yes. The most expensive crab cake in the world, like the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so Dom decorated this cake. It's amazing. It's gonna taste. Did you try it, by the way? No, I'm, I need some. Crab right. cake's my favorite. Yeah. Crab cake's my favorite dish. My dad used to make it for me. That's why I like hanging out with chefs. <laughs> wow, that looks good. And tell me about this burger now. Well, well, oh, look who's here. Well, we are doing a Volt Burger for all Live Nation venues, or a lot of Live Nation venues this summer. So this is a big-ass version to tell our little story about the fact that we are opening up uh, with our partners at Live Nation, Volt Burger by the Voltaggio Brothers. It's a giant burger brushed in cannabis butter. I don't know if you could tell by the garnish on top. It's dry-aged Flannery beef. It's Holstein dry-aged cattle. A lot of American cheese, pickles, onions, ketchup, and mustard. You don't have to overdress it to impress it. Yeah, it's going to be BYOW, though, when you go to the venue. It does not come with weed on it. It's BYOW, by the way. But will we be allowed to bring our own weed? No, it's not my regulation to be, you know. But uh, this is a, it's an amazing burger. We're in, like, the 20, 27, 30 venues right now uh, with this with this uh, amazing bull burger we've been doing. So it's going to be fantastic. So any show you're going to see this year, probably gonna have a chance to try this burger. Awesome. I know, they probably warned you I was gonna ask this because I'm always gonna ask this. We need you in Vegas. When do we have a full-time Vegas presence? So MGM is already our partner. We're at the MGM National Harbor. We just did a pop-up with MGM at Harvest at the Bellagio. Uh, our plan is to uh, somehow get back in Vegas a little more permanently. Yeah, we got to meet you at the first time, right? Yeah, and I missed you. I had COVID for your last one, so I decided not to spread that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but we can't wait to get back there and have a permanent home. Yeah, we have incredible partners in Vegas. Adam Sobel's there with Michael Mina. I mean, just the, the community in Vegas, the support of the local restaurants there. I mean, people think that it's like a tourist destination. It's not. The people of Vegas eat at these restaurants in Vegas, and we want to be a part of those people. So while you got to eat some food and hear a lot of great music, I, I kind of had to pick my spots in the short time I had in Napa. So I went for the wine and our hosts, Padopolo, which I will explain later and Feast It Forward, kick off the weekend with a great wine tasting reception. So I just went to each person and uh, made the rounds and uh, asked them a little something. What's your name and what are you selling? We are uh, Euclid Wines. We make uh, Syrah and two cabs. And this one you first poured me is what? It's a 2017 Syrah from the Sierra Foothills. It's uh, from the Dalton Vineyard. Uh, and the second one I poured was uh, Clark Cladon Vineyard Cabernet from Howl Mountain. That Syrah spoke to me real fast. What's it going to cost me to get into a bottle of that? 60 What's your name? What's your company? And what's your wine? Hi, my name is Lynn Yates, and we're Yates Family Vineyard. We're growing grapes <laughs> up in Mount Veter. We have a Viognier as our white, a Merlot, a Cab Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, and a blend. Well, tell me about this red you poured me. It's a 100% Merlot, and when they're up on the mountain, the berries are a little smaller, so you get very intense flavor. So we sort of call it a Cabernet or a Merlot for a Cabernet lover. So the questions are easy and simple. What's your name? What's your uh, winery? What's your wine? Roger Glormier uh, with Andretti Winery. And today I'm pouring Pinot Grigio, Sangiovese, Cabernet, and Moscato. I've been a red guy all day, so throw me a little white. Let's see what it's about. White. All yeah. right. So what is Pinot this? Grigio. Yeah. It's not sweet, but it's very fruit forward, giving the impression that it's almost sweet. Yep. Oh, you're trying to do dinner to influence me here. That's a big pour. That's a healthy pour. You've got to, you know. Ration your stock. <laughs> yeah. 
I think we're ready for anything right now. <laughs> All right. This is not the usual bite I get with a lot of Pinot Gris. It's very smooth. Yeah, a lot of them are really acidic. This is not. It allows that fruit to come forward, which gives the impression of almost being sweet, but it's just that fruit forwardness of it. I'm never going to know what fruits are where and hints of this and that. I'm going to either like it or not, and I kind of like this. <laughs> well, we even have uh, tasting notes here that will tell you those things if in case you want to try to learn to find them. Snob it up and impress me. Well, you know, it's, we made it interactive. You can check boxes. Oh, I taste that. I smell that. Yeah. And, and, you know, the way you start to expand your palate and your nose is by looking for things and knowing what you're looking for helps and then as you get more and more progressed you don't need the assistance now the education i really need how much uh, will that bottle of that cost me Pinot Grigio, you're looking at uh, 50. All right. It's all in the ballpark here. You're very competitive with your uh, competitors. Scotto's at 40. Uh, Sangiovese and Cab, they're at uh, 55 and 60. What's your name? What's your wine? And what are you holding there? Yeah, so my name is Gary Lip. Uh, my winery is Coho, and we're from here in Napa. And uh, I'm pouring today one of our, our Bordeaux blend. We call it Headwaters. Uh, the fruit is all from the Coombsville area, here in the southeast part of Napa Valley. It's a blend of Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, Petit Verdot, and Malbec. Let's give it a taste. Sure. You get a lot of salmon in the river there? Uh, <laughs> well, you know that 100 years ago, yeah. there were 50,000 coho who spawned in the Napa River. There haven't been any in 25 years. Yeah, so, that is a tragedy. So the, the name, our name of our uh, winery is based on the idea of uh, sustaining the species, uh, doing a better job in the vineyards for all the species that we share it with, and the salmon's just uh, is uh, the idea of giving us the wisdom to do the right things. No salmon is injured in the making of the swine. It's when it's opened, that's when you put them on the grill. That's right, salmon enhanced. That's right. That last one there, Coho, and the first one, Euclid, are the ones that I bought and I plan to open up here in Portland tomorrow as we record this with the steaks on the grill. And we also want to give a big shout out to our hosts for the weekend. Katie Schaefer is the entrepreneur behind Feast It Forward. It's a wine shop, a cooking venue, a music venue, an event space, a kind of place that looks like it would be perfect in an alley in the Arts District yes, in Las yes, Vegas. Yes, Katie, come to Vegas. I would love to see it, um, but I'm going to let her describe it. It first started as a network, right? We're focused on food, wine, lifestyle, and music. And so when I was filming for eight years around the country, it, it becomes exhausting and you don't have a physical footprint. So I wanted to build the network from the ground up, in which I did. This is the studio. Took two and a half years to build. The, the concept is from the moment you walk in the doors, everything is a tangible on-camera sponsor. Meaning that if another network that has a food name in its name uh, opened <laughs> a physical click and mortar experience, not that I'm giving them ideas, they would have been smart to do this, but to create a tangible brought to you by where the moment you walk in the door, you are surrounded in the ambiance of every single Gibson guitar, Sherwin-Williams paint, Bright Event Rentals, Curry & Co. Lighting, you know Neolith Countertops, Monogram Appliances, TCL Televisions, everything is a space that you can curate and experience and redo your home based on our lifestyle. So now we don't have to travel. I'm not on the road with our film crew. We go live and shoot our network productions in our film studio upstairs. 14 wineries are the Coke can in our movie, right? You, you see all these brands on camera and you see Coke and you see Pepsi. We have wineries now that are front facing, engaging with these celebrities while the audience gets to drink those wines behind the camera. But better yet, we're feasting it forward. We're raising money and awareness for our community and globe to give back. So those celebrities like Chef himself, when we're on camera, those ticketed audience members pay a significant fee that feeds the foundation of choice of the celebrity. Yep. So as I've expanded to the back, it's really one year, you know, one year round festival to curate and experience and see pop-up chefs and filmings and live events. And it's a space for a live marketing to, to come to life. Cause you go to, you go to Bottle Rock and it's three days and you see Salesforce and Google and everything. Now they have a living and breathing year round venue. And I want to thank uh, Podopolo for our uh, hosting us. This is a new app that integrates podcasting with social media. I would love for you to download the Podopolo app, find your favorite podcasts, maybe discover new ones. And the Podopolo difference is this. You get social with the people who enjoy the same podcasts or type of shows that you do. You might even find some new podcasts and share your favorites with others. Podopolo sounds a little weird, but it's not that hard to remember. P-O-D-O-P-O-L-O. 
Podopolo, P-O-D-O-P-O-L-O. So there you go. And if you could learn how to spend mis- spell Mississippi as a kid, you should be able to figure that one out. Yeah, right? it's kind exactly. of got that sort of childish rhyme schemey thing to Great it. Great meter. Yeah. Up next, Malasada and Toscana. No, it's not a new Vegas mob law firm, which would probably sound good with Mancini tacked on the end. <laughs> it's what's coming up next in the news. This is Food and Loathing. It's time for the news, and we're going to start with Toscana. That's the name of the new iteration of the upscale steakhouse at Italy Inside Park MGM. Although this isn't exactly a steakhouse, we did have some good steak when I was over there. General Manager Luca Esposito explains how Toscana is different from the steakhouse concept that was in the space before. We actually opened last week on May 18th, uh, was a great and fun night. We wanted to return post-pandemic with a concept that was more appealing to our guests and something that um, our guests could also perceive as a quick dinner. You know, we have a lot of guests approaching us right prior to a show, and we want to make sure that we can always provide that experience. Eaters, start your engines or digestive tracts or whatever it takes to compete in a donut eating contest. And not just any donut. Island Sushi is hosting a Malasada eating contest. That's happening today as we drop this on Friday. Malasada is a Portuguese slash Hawaiian donut. Lee Villaloon is the executive chef at Island Sushi, and he told Al just what it is and how the contest will work. They basically originated from Portugal. Um, they was introduced to Hawaii during the uh, sugarcane plantation times. Um, and pretty much, as any other cuisine in Hawaii, pretty much stuck around. And uh, Hawaii kind of made it their own. Um, did a little tweaks here and there, and they kind of made it a Hawaii staple. Tell me about the contest that you're having on Friday. What, what are you encouraging people to come in and do on Friday? What kind of pigs are they going to have to make of themselves? How messy are they going to be? How much do they have to eat? Uh, just prepare to get sugar all over yourself, all over your shirts. Um, basically, you got two minutes to eat as much malasadas as you can. It's harder than it seems. Uh, I did it once just to, to see how it is. And whoever wins, whoever eats the most malasadas within two minutes, they'll uh, get a a dozen malasadas each month and basically for a whole year free malasadas and if you're thinking about the uh, coney island hot dog eating contest where they don't even chew they just throw those things down their throats uh think again lee says the the record for eating malasadas is only about a dozen and you know they are taking the cream out of them so it's not going to be quite as messy but i'll tell you i made a mess just on all the sugar that those things are covered in eating them during my interview pass out from a sugar coma there's still more in my fridge i couldn't eat all the ones they sent me home with and there's a new man in charge of the overall food and beverage efforts at the sahara and it's a bit of a full circle juan via came to las vegas in 2014 to help open the SLS. You remember that one. After five years, he moved down the street to the Westin, but now he's back in that same building as the new executive chef at what's once again known as the Sahara. I talked to him about all that, starting with how different the property is today. Coming in now, it looks completely different, like a new property looks more elegant. It's inviting, it's warming. So chef, Um, I think a lot of people get confused as to what an executive chef at a property really does. So the role of a casino exec chef is to maintain costs, labor, make sure that everything is, is, is according to standards. Also, we take care of banquets. We take care of the main kitchen, uh, butcher shop, garmagier, uh, pastry. We also do the pool, the cafes. So all those restaurants, we have say-so on the menus, on the food that's being served in those in those areas. So we're very creative in that aspect. So this is clearly a resort that is still in the midst of this reboot. And there's definitely a big restaurant reboot going on as well. So, and I guess I have to ask about Sean McLean coming, but what other things are going around? So Sean McLean is coming. It's going to be midsummer. So, which is going to be an awesome restaurant. It's called Bala, Italian Soul. So, we're very excited about about that restaurant coming aboard. So, there's a few things that we're we're looking at, but nothing has been solidified. So, I think I want to keep that one to myself until okay. we know, so they 
they don't say, hey, chef said this is coming and it never came. So, but so far, that's the big, big one. Having Sean McLean and Jose Andres that close to each other, plus Noodle Dunn's an amazing restaurant. So really, really cool. You talked a bit about serving for the pool and also about serving for um, room service and things like that. That's such an important part of a lot of guests' experience, the, what they ate at the pool, the time they spend at the pool, and then ordering room service. Some of us really love it. Not every resort takes it seriously. Not every resort feels like they have to put a signature on it or has to have to put some personality on those. What type of signature or personality do you try to put on room service and poolside dining? For our pool service right now, we serve sushi out there. We serve some protein bowls. We serve breakfast items just to hit every target, depending on what it is that you would like. Some appetizers, some ahi poke nachos, and some really fun stuff. Uh, In-room dining, as of now, we have not brought it back yet, but I foresee in the future potentially bringing back. We'll have to see if that's going to to happen. But for right now, we don't we don't have it. Okay. And what about banquets? Yes, we do a lot of banquets here, and which is very exciting because we're working on on filling the place up with all these conventions and banquets, and and all of our food that we do here, we make it from scratch. We we make it all in house, so we don't like to open cans. So uh, we have our butcher shop, our garmagee that they're very creative, so they come up with some great salads and and beautiful presentations. So all of our food is always looking beautiful and tasting amazing. So. It's, it's, I'm very proud of banquets, and uh, as we move forward, tweaks here and there, but uh, we're going to make it great. You know, I frequently, well, not frequently, but I occasionally speak with young culinary students, and the younger they are, the more they always raise their hand and they say they want to be an executive chef, right? Being an, and, but yet they don't want to do any of the business they want to cook. Right. So I always laugh. Um, So I have to ask for someone in your position, executive chef of a major Las Vegas strip casino. How often do you actually cook a dish? You end up cooking only when you're changing these menus. So you come down, you practice the food, you R&D, you come up with the sauces, the dish. Once you create the dish, then you pass it along and you teach the team. But you have to pull away because you have to run the day-to-day operation. If we get locked down cooking in a particular restaurant, then you can no longer run the, the, the whole property. So you have to pull away. So you still create, you still cook, but not as much as a lot of students think that they're going to be doing. So that's something that they need to think about. If their passion is to be cooking, they, they have to stick to a restaurant and cook in that restaurant. So, uh, you know, once a traffic reporter, always a traffic reporter. Now, that was me riding around in a Cessna over Seattle like 40 years ago. Should I start making helicopter noises on my uh, chest? Yeah, like well, this? it was a little plane. I wish I was in a helicopter. It would have been a lot more fun. Uh, but I still pay attention to that. And there are two big Vegas traffic stories you should probably know about because they might get in the way of you getting to your restaurant or, or literally getting out of town. Uh, It was announced months ago, but California is making a little bit of progress on that promise to widen the southbound lanes of Interstate 15 between the Nevada border and the inspection station. And by progress, I mean they might be close to selecting a contractor for the project that will turn that right shoulder into a third lane for about 10 miles, hopefully easing the Sunday afternoon southbound backup. I'll let you know when work actually begins if I'm still alive by then, because, you know, I am very, very old. Uh, Closer to the Strip, in fact, very close. They have broken ground on what will be a nearly three-year project to improve the 15 Tropicana interchange. The widening, the raising, and the total rebuild, it will be construction hell until the summer of 2025. So, as we used to say in the traffic business, alternate routes are advised. Wasn't that, yeah, is that like kind of when they built that um, stadium, that big giant stadium, and said, we'll figure out how to get people to it somewhere down the line? Is yeah, that, but at is least that, that was off is? to the side. This is, you know, <laughs> it's the 15, the Tropicana. So it's going to be a mess on the Flamingo. It's going to be a mess on uh, Russell. It's going to be a mess going around a great circle. Heck, probably going to Boulder City is your, your best alternative. I, I feel as if the fact that we just came from California, we don't get to bitch about traffic in uh, Las well, Vegas, yes. you know? Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. It's never, it never takes that long to get anywhere. Um, sometimes you can listen to an extra podcast while you're oh, stuck in yeah. traffic. <laughs> See, there's an upside to all that. 
There is. Hey, Wine Spectator's Grand Tour hits Las Vegas this weekend with a wine tasting of some of their high-scoring wines on Saturday, June 4th at Resorts World. Tickets for that are still available. Last I checked, they were $275 a pop. Another option for you, if you like good wine, head to Ada's Wine Bar in Tivoli Village on Sunday for a special edition of their monthly Psalm Sunday series, where Ada's wine goddess Kathleen Thomas, cat to her friends, says she and Charles Butler of Vineyard Brands will be doing a smaller scale tasting of some of those same wines. So Wine Spectator has their awards uh, show almost every year. Um, and in Vegas, it's a big deal because we get producers and winemakers flying in from all over the world. With that kind of intensity and excitement, we are building off of that on Sunday, and we'll be highlighting some of those uh, winning wines from the Wine Spectator Awards that uh, were given those high scores. Hey, and for those of you who are um, planning a little ahead trying to figure out what to do next weekend. There's a one night only East meets West celebration of cuisine, bourbon, and culture that will be led by the cosmopolitan of Las Vegas's executive chef, Mark Crane and James B beams, American whiskey ambassador, Edwin Cruz atop the iconic Boulevard pool at the Cosmo on Saturday, June 11th from seven to nine. They're going to be pairing um, dishes like grilled duck breast skewers, Okinawa, purple, sweet potato, and ginger scallion sauce, barbecue wagyu short rib, blah, 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 all this stuff, derby pie. Um, And they're pairing it with a new kind of bourbon. It's called Legend, L-E-G-E-N-T, bourbon. And it is an American bourbon that is blended in the Japanese tradition. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it by for that entire meal, but I'm definitely going to swing by and sip on that bourbon because, you know, Rich, you and I have done some things where people have tried to do um, cross-cultural bourbons or cross-cultural whiskeys, and they weren't always a hit, but I do trust our friends at Centauri Beam or Beam Centauri or whatever they're calling themselves these days. Oh, if you can't trust them, you might as well just retire. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to check this out on June (laughs) We're not going to retire just yet. Yeah. Tickets for that one are $150 plus tax, by the way. At least that's what they start at. I don't know how high they go because um, I would be in the starting range. And finally, wow, this has been a long episode. A lot of stuff in here. But <laughs> finally, I think Monday is the start of Las Vegas Restaurant Week, which lasts nearly two weeks. And that's before they extend it, which yeah. a lot of restaurants always do. This is your chance to sample some places you might not consider because of the cost the cuisine, the location, whatever has stopped you. As usual, the restaurants offer special deals on prefix men- menus and meals, and a portion of the check goes to Three Square, the Valley's food bank, Southern Nevada's largest food bank, and people who do some really, really fantastic work trying to fight food insecurity here in Las Vegas. Um, actually, I'm excited to say that starting next week, when Restaurant Week launches, we will have special Restaurant Week lists on um, the Neon Feast app, so you'll be able to just pop in there and see which of our our recommended restaurants are doing yeah. restaurant week um, specials. So we're, we're working on that. I'm hustling my ass off trying to get that done for you guys by, by Monday. So please check um, the Neon Feast app for that. And we will have more on all of this next week, but we love our friends at Three Square. If there's any way, I mean, the way that we eat, or the way that I eat personally, it's, it's, it's just scandalous to me to think that people go to bed hungry in our valley and these guys are actually trying to fix that so um god bless them i love them and i think that's about it for this episode of food and load isn't that enough i think it is <laughs> i want to thank all our guests but i can't remember who the hell they Not are even so if close. you were on Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Tell a friend about Food and Loathing and spread the word on social media. You can find all our handles at Al's website, theneonmohawk.com. Reach us direct by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And as Al mentioned, download the Neon Feast app. You got restaurant week stuff. You got stuff for all the time for all your dining destinations. Well, not every destination, but the ones you really want to go to. That's what you'll find. Whatever you need, whatever you want, find it at Neon Feast. And if you can't get enough of my voice and would also like to see my pretty face, you can see me on the CW Las Vegas every other Wednesday morning at approximately 8.15 a.m. Also, if today is Friday and you're listening, I may end up on uh, Morning Blend on Channel 13 today. So check it out. See if you can find me there. It is just a mystery where you are. It's 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 Wackanal. <laughs> Whack a mole, whack an owl, TV version. Also, the radio version. Catch the Neon Feast update on The Vibe 99.7 in Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, 
98.9 down by Laughlin. With producer Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.